I am Camille Johnson, and this is Finding the Floor. Stories and reflections of midlife motherhood, family, and finding meaning in it all. Join me as I share a little piece of my life and figure out what I want to be when I grow up. Hello, friends. Welcome to Finding the Floor. This is episode 79, Create, Contribute, Cultivate, and Consume, or what I'm going to call the four C's. And this is this theory that I don't know if I, I'm not really original in this thinking because when I was looking it up, there were other ideas about this, but it's a principle and a theory and something we've been using with our kids a little bit lately about trying to have more of the first three, create, contribute, and cultivate, than of the consume. Yeah, so it's sort of come out of helping my kids see the point of maybe not watching too many shows or all of that, how it helps not only your brain, but like, emotionally and physically, how that helps you. And I didn't go to a ton of studies. I'm just going to share some stories and some thoughts as we've explored this with my family and kind of just share how that will work. Okay. And I've noticed my voice sounds a bit tired today. (laughs) I sing with a women's choir and I had rehearsal this morning and it's funny how my voice really isn't used to singing as often so it gets tired. So I'm just sounding a little bit tired (laughs) today and it's just because I was singing all morning or maybe not all morning but just for a couple hours. All right I don't know about you guys but we have this winter storm morning coming up like tonight it's supposed to snow another like 12 inches and my kids are psyched they're like we're not gonna have school tomorrow and I'm hoping that's true like I hope that we don't have school tomorrow that would be amazing but it's also the worst if like they're off on how big the storm's gonna be and then my kids wake up and we do have school in the morning We'll have to do some sort of snow storm, no school dance. I don't know. I've heard of all different things. But anyway, so we've got that coming up as well as some February's big birthday month for me and some of my husband's family. And also I have some nephews. So yeah, it's a fun birthday month. Okay, well, let's get into the topic, all right? I was trying to find a new way to explain and talk to my kids about like too much screen time, whether it be shows, social media, on their phones, or whatever. 
Now, there's a difference though, because I do have a couple of my daughters who love to draw digitally and I'm actually totally okay with that because they're using their creativity, but it's just like that whole consuming part. And so we're trying, we were trying to like, what are ways we could, we want them to do more up. And so we thought, oh, there's these three other C's that are way better. Create, contribute, and cultivate. And I was thinking about the word consume. And when we're called consumers, you know, it's just like this. It's like we just eat everything around us and destroy it. We're consumers. But I, I love it sounds when we're a creator or a cultivator or a contributor that you can tell is just more of a building and growing and that is just helping your whole person. And I'm not saying it's bad to consume things. Obviously, we have to eat, we have to buy things, and it's so fun to watch movies and shows. I mean, I am all there and read books. It's just part of our lives. But my premise here is that our goal would be to have a more of a balance or even more of the top three, create, contribute, and cultivate. So I'm going to quickly walk through like definitions that I found of each of the three, actually all four of them, and then we're going to talk a little bit on how long it takes to create certain things that I personally like love to eat or that I create myself. It was fun to just kind of think about how long things take to create. When we think of creating something, I think it's easy to think of like artwork, um, painting, drawing, sometimes even building can be creating. Um, so I found a couple different definitions on miriamwebster.com that I liked. One was to make or produce something, to cause something new to exist, or to cause a particular situation to exist or to produce something new such as a work of art by using your talents and imagination. That's kind of like the first one. So creating a new business or creating a curriculum like a teacher that is using your creative processes, you know, creating something that you're imagining in your brain and it may not necessarily come out in a physical product. You could create like a new idea. Just all of those things I think work. So when I was trying to think of ways to just help my kids, like give them something to say besides stop watching. Okay, this is your last show. You can't watch anything anymore. It's become, have you created anything today? And so with my girls, it's usually some drawings and with my son sometimes he'll write new music just like offering that you need to do that every day let's create something and initially that was like the first thing that I thought of like there is create and consume and then there were a few things that didn't really fit into the create 
mold, if that makes sense. And so that's when my husband and I also thought of the other threes. So the next one would be contribute. Um, the definition of those, both again from merriamwebster.com that I really liked were one, to play a significant part in making something happen. Two, to give something such as money, goods, or time to help a person, group, cause, or organization. Or three, to supply something such as an article for a publication. That one's pretty easy when I ask my kids, hey, have you contributed to the house lately? That usually means, have you done your jobs? Have you, like, cleaned up your mess that you personally made? How have you contributed to the house today? And you can also move that beyond, like, how have you contributed to your school or the community Have you helped anyone today? So yeah, a lot of times I think with contribute, that involves like service, helping in your, at your house, at work, um, in a way that, again, is, you know, playing a significant part in making something happen, or you're like giving something to a group or cause, whether that be your time or your talents or money, all those things. And the last thing that my husband and I were like, okay, well, there's also, we want them to practice and to work on doing their homework and also build whatever talents. And so the other C word that we thought of was cultivate. And I love this word, cultivate. So the definitions I found for cultivate is one, to foster the growth of, two, to improve by labor, care, or study, and three, to seek the society of, make friends with. Okay, and that goes along with what I was thinking about. You can cultivate your talent. So when I say to my kids, oh, I see we're doing a lot of consuming today. Have you cultivated your talents? Or have you been cultivating a relationship like with your siblings or written your sister a letter who's on her mission, something like that. Are you even cultivating a friendship? I'll send my daughter out to play with her friends if I, <laughs> if they're around. All those things are really, really important. Okay, so when I think about all three of these things that I just mentioned, create, contribute, and cultivate, I think about how I feel when I am done with one of those things. I usually feel good. Many times I might feel stretched or like a good tired. And a lot of times it may be hard to get started with some of those things. I know, for instance, yesterday, well, actually on earlier in the week, I had signed up to volunteer at this neighborhood food pantry And it was kind of a long shift that I didn't realize how long I had signed up. I mean, I realized at the time, but then it was like a week and a half ago. So I was like, oh, gosh, that's long. And my morning ended up like just being a little slower. Like I, instead of staying awake after getting my kids off to seminary, I was reading my scriptures and then fell asleep and was just a little more sluggish getting stuff going in the morning. So I didn't get all the things done that I wanted to before I left. And so I was kind of like dragging my feet. Uh, uh, I don't know if I want to go. 
But I went and it was great. And it was hard work and it felt good to help people who were in need and to help this place, you know, stock their shelves and help people shop. So it was fulfilling. Like I really, afterwards I came home, even though I was tired, there was that feeling of fulfillment. So I think that definitely happens. And also when you're cultivating, when you're cultivating a talent or even your garden, that taking the time to take care of something, whether it be sitting down, I've been trying to sit down for 15 to 20 minutes, maybe three to four days a week and practice. And I've really enjoyed taking that time and it's building my confidence as I do that. And I think think back of when I was cultivating a garden and I would get more and more confident the more I did it regularly and I always feel better when I'm done but then with creating sometimes you get in this flow of creating something it's so fun it's hard to stop and that is a great thing that the idea of flow when you're just creating or brainstorming and coming up with these great ideas and then even more ideas kind of start coming as you start working on it. It's just kind of this really cool process. And then you have consuming. And I didn't really define consuming at the beginning. And there were a lot of good definitions. So one is to enjoy avidly. Two, to engage fully. Three, to utilize as a customer. Four, to eat or drink, especially in great quantity five to use up, and six to spend wastefully. Now, usually when I want to consume something like food, it really does taste good. Oh, or when I want to just sit down or when we sit down and watch a movie with as a family, it's just fun. There's just a lot of fun. But I think that there's this balance. Like unless you set a limit, whether it's be how much you eat or how much you watch, or how much you shop, there is a point where you just feel like not quite satisfied. You get to the point sometimes where you're so full you can't eat anymore. But I notice especially when my kids are watching shows and you know the next one just automatically reloads and they just keep watching and watching and watching and watching. And it's like it's never enough. It's like, okay, just give me more. I just want more and that whole kind of buffering the same with social media and just like scrolling somehow that's just so satisfying and all of a sudden it's like been you don't even know how long it's been half hour an hour and you're like whoa what just happened so that's kind of crazy and I think it's good to just set limits on your consuming because I feel like that helps to balance your life a bit because I don't really think you cannot consume because you obviously have to eat and all the other stuff I think that I mentioned earlier. All right. So I thought it would be fun to just quickly gain perspective on how long it takes to create things. Well, I know for me that I love to consume. So since we have a lot of birthdays happening this month, one of the first things that came to my mind was birthday cakes. And I love to make birthday cakes for my family. I've done this for a while and I I go all out 
as much as my talents can get me. (laughs) I'm fairly capable, but not like amazing, (laughs) if that makes sense. So my kids will come, if it's their birthday coming up, they have an idea. We usually look on Pinterest for ideas and then we usually come to a design idea of something that they might have seen and then we translate it into something I can actually make. And then I spend five to eight hours making a cake between making the actual cake and baking it and having it cool. And then you have to make the, I make the frosting. There's the designing of the cake and you have to cut it just right if it's a certain shape that you have to make it into. Um, Then you do like a couple different coats of frosting. You have the crumb coat and then the next layer, there's a bunch of different layers and making all the colors. So yeah, it takes a while. And so I'm usually quite exhausted when it's time to celebrate, put the candles on, but I am also super proud. And then they like eat it in five seconds. (laughs) Maybe not five seconds. Sometimes the cake will last a couple days because we don't usually eat the whole cake in one sitting. But oh, I don't know if you've ever seen, I don't know if it's still on, but I remember watching Ace of Cakes and they would make these amazing cakes And then they would go and deliver them and kind of feel sick as they're just like destroying and eating the cake, even though that's what it's meant to be. Sometimes, uh, sometimes I'm just like, okay, let's not destroy this part yet because that was really hard to make. (laughs) I think about a book, okay? I love reading books and I just finished a book, a favorite author that I discovered a year or so ago. So because I just recently discovered her, I have read like all her books. And then she came out with a new book and I was so excited. And I was like, oh, I wish authors could put out books more quickly. Like, how long does it take? So I was looking up, like, how long does it take to write a book? Now, obviously, that depends on how often the writer writes and how long the book is. But as I was looking up, it was saying, if you write around 1,500 pages a week, you can finish a book, depending on the length, between four months to one year. And that was just writing three days a week, like 500 words a day, which some people write 1,500 words a day, or they have whatever word. So some people write it faster and some people slower. But then you have to do research and have to make sure your characters are all that. So there was another article that said you should have at least have five edits. And this was regarding like a novel. So you should, before you even submit it, you should read through it five different times. And this particular article, this guy was like, and sometimes you have to first get the first draft done and then leave it for a couple months. And then come back to it when you're not super close to it anymore. And then after you go through those edits, then you have to, if hopefully you already have a publisher, but you go to the publisher and they probably have a couple more edits. And then it says after all that, it can take between nine months to two years after that to get it published. 
No wonder I'm always like, oh, where is this? I love this author and she hasn't written a book. And then it takes me like, depending on the length, two days, a week. Sometimes I'll savor a book and I'll read it slower so it doesn't end so fast. But yeah, the process takes so much more time. I think of my son Simeon who does a stop motion and it takes him a long time to get a short video. We had made a Father's Day video for my dad a couple years ago and we ended up like start, we started it all in one day and finished it and it took nine hours to make a four minute stop motion video. And I should have asked him how many shots he took to make it all come together. But yeah, nine hours to make a four minute video. And then I was remembering like Hamilton, the musical, I'd heard it had taken him 10 years to write and get that play to Broadway. But I was looking, fact checking myself. And it took six years from his idea in like 2009. And then it went to the theater in 2015. But six years. And then you watch it and it's brilliant. And you can watch it though in three hours. Then you go to like cultivating a garden. That's a very like the word cultivate. You think of a garden right away. I've only done really a handful of really good gardens. <laughs> and, you know, it takes time. You have to get the soil ready and just right. Then you plant your seeds or you plant your little plants who are already grown from seedlings. And then you have to water them every day. And then they actually have to be taken care of in a certain way that they produce fruit that you're going to actually like. Because I've noticed that I remember growing corn, sweet potatoes, and like Swiss chard. Ugh. I don't know what I did, but they all tasted horrible, especially the corn. Oh my gosh. I was like, how can corn taste so bad? And then there was another time where I was so excited to grow my own pumpkin and the vines just kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And there was like never any pumpkin. Somehow it just didn't pollinate. And seriously, the vine just kept going and going. Finally, one year I figured it out. I don't know how it got pollinated better, but, but yeah, I got this pumpkin, which was so cute. But it was tiny. <laughs> This tiny pumpkin for, you know, took four to five months to grow it. Or with tomatoes, you know, takes all this time to grow the tomatoes. And then you can eat them in like five minutes. Zucchinis are like the most satisfying. They grow the easiest here. And so many will grow. And then if you don't catch them, you'll find these giant, <laughs> like seriously the size of a small, like just... I don't know, like a foot long or longer if you aren't careful and pick them up. So there's just a lot that takes into growing things. Then also with your talents, like my senior year in high school, I there was a concerto night. So I started the year before the end of my junior year with my piano teacher and we picked a concerto and I worked on that piece for uh, literally a whole year. It was 27 pages long. I had to memorize the whole thing. 
And I worked on that so much. And then it took me 10 minutes to perform it. But I practiced and memorized it and took me a year. My brother at one point, my youngest brother was so sick of me playing that song. I remember him coming in and just saying, can you stop playing that song? I'm so sick of it. Yeah, a year. That's a long time. And you think about cultivating relationships. That takes time and effort. All of that. Um, with my marriage, I have to take time every day to make sure I'm connecting or with my kids and with my siblings and friends taking time out to go to lunch or to just take a walk to show that they mean something to me and I'm or sending a text or a phone call. All these things are important and they take time. And then I was thinking of contributing service, serving your community that can be sometimes uh, a great thing. It can be also somewhat thankless. I just remember serving like on the PTA and there were some years where we had a really large group of women on the board that were all working together and some years where it was just I was could not find anyone to help out and just grabbing volunteers as much as I could. But all that, sometimes I think um, it's easy to when we think of all the time it takes, all the effort, and we think, is it really worth it? And we focus on the results sometimes. But what I am learning from all of this is that it's always worth it because the process is the whole point. And When I read Atomic Habits and he was talking about, yeah, your goal is important, but it's actually the systems that are in place that'll help you keep it going. And it's the process, the process of helping my kids just clean their room. I I shouldn't be so um, fixated on the result because the process is important. So I found this really, really cool about what happens to your brain and this was specifically for creativity but I could think that it might work for the other building of talents and um, contributing but I'm not gonna this one was specifically about creativity and it says that we have two systems in our brain the big three brain networks the default mode network the executive control network, and the salient network. And in this article I read on Psychology Today, it said prior research suggests that they work together when it comes to being creative. The default mode network is what's happening in the brain in a resting but not sleeping state, the brain's idle state. The executive control network monitors what's going on, manages emotional parts of the brain, and directs resources like attention and oversees decisions and choices. The salient network determines which sort of things tend to be noticed and which tend to fly under the radar. And in the article, it goes on, For creativity, scientists hypothesize that the big three operate as a team. The default mode network generates ideas, the executive control network evaluates them, and the salient network helps to identify which ideas get passed along to the executive control network. On top of the this basic schema, these networks can also influence one another via other feedback loops. 
so it's just so good for your brain. Like all of it is working together to make or bake or create or cultivate. All these things are going to help your brain. And I think that was my big aha moment this week is that it's so easy to focus on the results and the idea of is this worth it to take all this time? Like was it worth it to take all the time to learn that concerto? I spent a whole year. And it's funny now I could I couldn't do it and play it for you now. It's not out in my brain, but was that worth it? Yes. It's always worth it. And so as I've been using this with my kids and things that I want them to start doing so they don't watch their shows or on their screen so much, this has given me more, um, I just find the value of it. Like I just feel like I've had this aha moment where there isn't, it's not worth it. Like When we clean up, sometimes they're like, is it even worth cleaning up? Because they're going to mess it up in five seconds. And guess what? It is. It's so worth it. Like it's good for your brain. It's good for your body. And it's good emotionally because you feel so much better when you're doing those first three things, creating, contributing, and cultivating. Like that is just good for your general overall mental well-being and even physical well-being. So I was reminded, and I can't remember if I talked about this in my shingles episode. I probably did. So sorry for repeating. But um, I remember I was in charge of this PTA walkathon. And that year, because of construction, we couldn't do the walkathon at the elementary school and we had to move it to the middle school. And it was going to be in the evening. And between the time that I started the walkathon and we started collecting money and the time that I had the walkathon, I had gotten shingles. I'd gotten really sick. But many times I had to like keep going back and, you know, I rested for a time, but I I had to make sure this walkathon happened. And I got lots of volunteers and great help. So the walkathon day comes and it is great. It really actually was such a fun event. I'd asked like a lot of teachers to donate prizes. And um, as people walked around um, the track, they would get a ticket each time. And so however many times they went around the track, the more tickets they got, and then they had a chance to win these prizes. And then we did the prizes at the end and we had people donate food and it was so fun. And it turned out great. And then I went home and I just started to cry because of two things. One, there weren't a ton of people that came. I mean, everyone that came really had a good time. But I think part of it is because it was after school and people had to like come there as families. And sometimes that's a little bit harder. So there wasn't a ton of turnout. And we only made like $2,000. And I felt like it took the life out of me. But thinking back now, maybe I was like overwhelmed too. And there was so much emotion 
going through me that that's also one of the reasons why I cried. But I look back and I think it was so worth it. No matter how much money we made, I learned something and I grew from all that effort because it's so much better to do and contribute and create than just to sit around and consume. It's so much better for you. I know lately I've been like, I've been wanting to make bread, but I have this one recipe and it's a really good like honey wheat bread, but it takes a long time. (laughs) And now I'm like, well, that's okay. That's so good for your brain. Let's just have a day where we take a long time and make bread. It's going to be so great. Like the, the thing I've noticed too with like worrying about the results, like is this worth it? And with kids and taking time for sports or um, doing an instrument or developing their talents, sometimes we're so focused on how good they are. And I notice once they hit middle school, if you're not like on the competitive league and ready to just compete in college or on college level, it's like there's nothing available for you to do. It's crazy. And the whole point of this process is that you keep using those three things so you can keep developing. And if you don't, then you have kids who just want to sit on their phones all the time. Ugh. Anyway, I just think that's really interesting. So then with all that, and I was like, okay, what is my point? I think the point is it's all worth it. It's so good for you to have more of creating and cultivating and contributing. And so I I was reminded of this talk as I was contemplating this, I was talking to my sister and she reminded me of this talk. The talk was given by one of our leaders, our apostles, Elder Dieter F. Uchtdorf in 2008 from my church. And in his talk, he mentions two ways we can find more happiness in our lives. Guess what the two ways are? being creative, and being compassionate. That includes two of my C's. So I'm going to read a couple quotes that I just thought were so great from that talk. The desire to create is one of the deepest yearnings of the human soul. No matter our talents, education, backgrounds, or abilities, we each have an inherent wish to create something that did not exist before. Everyone can create. You don't need money, position, or influence in order to create something of substance or beauty. Creation brings deep satisfaction and fulfillment. We develop ourselves and others when we take unorganized matter into our hands and mold it into something of beauty. And then he goes on, and I'm not talking about the process of cleaning the rooms of your teenage children, (laughs) which is something I totally need to help my daughter do today. And then at the end, I just love this, at the end of the talk, he says, I believe as you immerse yourselves in the work of our Father, as you create beauty, and as you are compassionate to others, God will encircle you in the arms of his love. Discouragement, inadequacy, and weariness will give way to a life of meaning, grace, and fulfillment. Okay, so the whole point is that discouragement, inadequacy, and weariness 
are usually not going to be happening when you're in the middle of creating and contributing and cultivating something. Your mind is more ready to think about good things and your brain's all working together to think, okay, how can I make this better? What are things I can do in my garden or in my house or at work? How can I help create, contribute, all those things? Whereas when you're watching something and consuming, it's so easy to just think about comparing yourself, judging yourself, and then you're you're just energy. It's like gets sucked out of you. Like I notice when my kids just have a free day to do whatever and they're just watching shows like all day and it's like they just melt into the couch and they don't have any energy just like sucks the life out of them so my whole point in I guess this podcast today is that it is always worth it when you spend time creating cultivating and contributing Even when it seems like you're not making a ton of money or you are not getting like what you think you should get, it's always worth the time to do that thing. My husband and I have this saying, it's better to do something than nothing. And so sometimes when our kids are sitting around and they don't want to, let's say, if we want to go outside and go on a hike, we just make them come with us because it's always better to go and do something. So again, create, cultivate, and contribute. Those are the three C's that we should have more of than the consuming or that we can have a balance. I mean, because again, I too love to sit down and watch a good show or, oh my gosh, reading books. That's like my favorite thing. Or like consuming, hello, ice cream, yummy stuff, eating great food, all of that's great. And just having that balance. And I think if you're a little bit off, like having too much consuming, I think really you'll notice that in your like mental health. I know for me, that's so true. Okay, you guys, I hope this like new way of thinking about that helps. It's really been an aha moment for me, especially as you don't focus on the results. Just do it. If it takes a lot of time and it gets eaten right away, it's so okay. Or if it takes so, sometimes I think about like when I plan a lesson and I plan and I take hours and hours to plan it and it only takes me like 20, I have 20 minutes. Guess what? It's all worth it. It's never not worth it. Don't forget it. Okay, you guys, have an awesome week and I'll be back next week. Oh, and hey, if you haven't subscribed to my little fridge note, which is literally like a paragraph that I send, um, I'll have a link if you just scroll down in the podcast description or you can go to my website, www.findingthefloor.com and I'll have a link. Like it'll be easiest to find it in the podcast description. So yeah, sign up. I would love to have a few more people on my list. That'd be so fun. Okay, I'll talk to you guys next week. See ya, bye. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. 
If you have any questions, come by FindingTheFloor.com, where I will have show notes and links for anything I've mentioned today. Special thanks to Seth Johnson for creating and performing the theme music. Come back next week, and thanks for listening.